Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for bringing us to a place that we're able to hear your word, and your word is a lamp unto our feet, and we're able to walk in a manner that pleases you, honors you, and to serve you so that we can be yours. And we pray, O oh God, that you would bring us to everything you have planned for our lives, for our families, for our children and descendants after us, that they might know a real God, that they might see and hear about the miracles and the peace and the joy of God. We pray, O oh God, that you give us wisdom and a desire to do those things that please you, do those things that honor you, that this world might know that there are people that take your word serious. We pray, Father God, that your mercy and grace would be upon us and that we might understand the relationship that you're calling us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, we always, it took me 30 years to tell you what I'm going to tell you next because when you come to God, you're not asking God, what do you want? You're not, you're not, tell, you're not trying to find out what's in his heart. You got a wounded, beaten, battered, destroyed heart, and you're saying, Lord, you need to carry me. You need to heal me. You need to show me you're real. So we, I, I spent the better part of 15 years, that's a long time, asking God for a thousand things. Lord, 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 Lord. I was so... I came to the place of total humiliation when I realized I had never asked God, what do you want? Never once in 15 years. And so when God, when, when I finally come to terms, something's wrong with this relationship. It's like me, 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 some more me, me, and me. And then he, he's like, he's a servant. So he's, he's like, Anything else like a butler, right? He has his towel, anything? And and he's serving. He says, I came to serve, not to be served. I've come to to lay down my life. There's no greater love than this, than he who lays down his life for a friend. And so he comes with that attitude. And then I say, wait a second, something's wrong here. I haven't asked him. This is not reciprocal. Lord, what do you want? And that's when he answered, let's change the world. That, That was a response. I got bigger plans than what you think is part of what. So I got lost in his love and and became undone. Now it's flip side. Lord, I don't want anything else from you. I want to spend the rest of my life doing what you desire every moment. And so in that respect, um, I learned something recently. And and we're going to start at the end because I didn't know. For 30 years, I didn't know this. Romans 8.29 that the whole purpose for us to be in this world is that he's trying to make us like Jesus Christ. That, that's the whole bottom line. He wants every single one of us to be another Jesus upon the earth. What is another Jesus? A son of God who's obedient and faithful. That's all he wants. And, and guess what? That, that is as far as the east is from the west. To make this guy anything remotely like Jesus is impossible for man. But then his word says that which is impossible for man is possible for God. 
He has called us and he's working on that. So here it is. This is the end result of our faith is to take the form of his son. You just, that's why the bracelets, what would Jesus do? That's why it's so big. You know, what would he do in this circumstance? And so for whom he foreknew, he knew us before we came. He also predestined, he has a destiny, he has a, a future to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the end of the story. That he might be, Jesus might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. That many would come afterwards just like Jesus. Um, the center, the center of who Christ is, and we could sing that tonight, Jesus at the center of it all. Um, but we're going to say that at the center of who he is, is not selfish. He's not, he's not thinking about his own plan. He's, he's thinking, how can I please the Father? We see this in John chapter 8, verse 29. We see his words and his thoughts. Um, when he says, the, man who, the, the Father who sent me, he who sent me is with me. Me and him, we're on the same page, we're on the same team. This, this who's, the person who sent me is my father. And he's never left me alone. He's, he's constantly connected. The father and the son are connected. The reason why is I always do those things that please him. So for the greater part of my youth, I didn't read the Bible that wasn't concerned about pleasing God, didn't even know that there was a way to please God. Um, even when I come to Christ, it's, it's a matter of not pleasing God, but my need, which is I'm going to hell, my life is a disaster, I need salvation. So it's still about me. I need forgiveness. I need love. I, I need an embrace. I need a future. I need, a, I need, a, I need peace. But it comes to a time where uh, you realize that that this faith is not about you. And the way we learn that is seeing Jesus' life. When, when his whole life is consumed by doing the Father's will. That his destiny is, is a portrait of pleasing the Father. Not my will be done. Even, even in the face of the cross. Not what I want, what you want. Do, do through me what you want. So... Um, the distance between doing the Father's will and not being in that relationship is super distant. Uh, distant to the degree that even the elements that are required to come to that place, um, I'm going to ask you real quick, how's your obedience? We're more characterized by disobedience, by doing the things that are not the Father's desire. Um, one preacher had to say it like this, delayed obedience is disobedience. If you're gonna take some time in doing what is being asked of you, you, you can't even say I'm struggling with it. You can't say it's difficult. You could just say I'm disobedient. I'm, I, I don't have the, the heart of Christ to walk in obedience. So the process is this, what God is doing in our lives, and still to this day, people say, well, you're a pastor, you've been at this for a long time. Listen to me. I struggle possibly more than anybody I know. 
Because it's a constant reminder and conscious of where God wants me to be and how I'm straggling along with, Paul describes it, a body of death. A, a body that does not respond uh, to, um, to words, to, to instruction. So, so our, our plight, uh, our, our journey is this, uh, Galatians 4.19. This is, this is what every man of God in the Bible was trying to do as he served God, as he became a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, a teacher of the word of God. He says, my little children, he would speak to a church like this. My, my little children, I have labor pains. It hurts to see you be formed uh, in, in Christ. Um, I don't think men could do justice to this, to this verse here. But, but if you're a wife, you know what labor pains are. And, and they're not something light. They're, they're very uh, deep and they mark your life. And so Paul is saying this about those people he's trying to bring to the place where God wants them. And he says, I'm not going to stop pushing. I'm not going to start travailing. I'm not going to stop crying and hurting until Christ is birthed, is formed in you. That, that just like Jesus lived upon the earth, that your life would be a reflection of that. Um, we know Jesus not to be uh, wandering about, you know, carelessly and aimlessly and just falling into trouble and falling out of trouble. That guy was on hot pursuit when he was 12 years old and they asked him, what are you doing? He says, I need to be lined up about my father's business. He's 12. And, and he was sharp. He wasn't waiting around if his parents were leaving or coming. He was, he was on task from the, from the get-go. I need to be about my father's business. So in the same manner, um, this expression of... <laughs> It was a joke some, some preacher said because in families, they're always saying, why can't you be like your big brother? And the, the scenario is that, that you're never, this guy wants to please the father more than anybody. And so it's not easy to do that. So we're always being compared with our older brothers. And what happens next is that um, the level Philippians 1.9, Paul says like this. He says, guys, you're not there yet, so exert yourselves all the more. I'm going to pray that your love might grow at such a level, still more, and that your knowledge might grow still more, and that your ability to know what God wants is more, more. And so come, come to terms with this fact that where God is taking us is stretching us, stretching us, stretching us, stretching us. And we feel, and, and people have told me, Pastor, why do you continue to bust my chops? I'm, I'm going to church. That's not enough. I'm reading the Bible. That's not enough. I sing to the Lord. I used to not sing. That's not enough. I, I've, I'm a faithful servant. That's not enough. And so realize, this is not what's being taught out there in Christianity. Christianity today has, has flipped its head and is focused on everything Jesus and God has done. And we don't have to do anything. 
But the true biblical teaching is that God is birthing Christ in us so that we are abounding more, 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 more. Just a, a full expression so there's not one little bit in your life that doesn't show that you are a son or daughter of God. There's nothing. There's not, man, in the right circumstances. If people press my right buttons, they're going to see something that looks nothing like Jesus. Guess what? God's going to take you for people to press that button because he wants Jesus to pop up. He wants forgiveness to come out. He wants the expression of, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. When you're being pounded with a crown of thorns, when you're being nailed to the cross. When, and, and Paul, at, at one point when he's writing, he says, none of you guys have bled yet for your Christianity. None of you have suffered the, the torment and torture of being a true follower of Christ. So don't even, don't even call, oh, how much more am I going to have to do to be a, to, we're not even there yet. You know where we're at tonight? We're in some Ooh, some comfortable chairs. There's nice air conditioning. There's light. This, this guy is in a cornfield. And he's under the leaves reading his Bible. And he says, how can I know you? The, the, what is it called? The Green Cathedral? He's, he's, he's in a place. Listen, there's no, there's no, uh, nothing's going to stop me. This, this verse here comes along with the next verse, verse 10 where he says that you might be approved the things that are excellent, that you might be sincere without being in a place where on the day of Jesus Christ you missed the boat because you got all fancy about, I'm, I'm just going to be one of these average Christians. I believe in Jesus. I, I read the word. I go to church. Listen, I can tell you that, that it's going to take a lot more a lot more. I, I, want to, I want to take you to the realm of where you cannot even fathom what God wants to do in your life with regards to this term called excellence. That, that he, would, um, on, he would sculpture you. He would, he would hammer you. He would perfect you in, in, a, in a legitimate way. Um, so that your thoughts begin to be Jesus' thoughts. Verse 11. Having been filled with the expression of fruits of righteousness where, which are like Jesus for the glory and the praise of God. That your being a son or a follower or a believer in Christ is not just, you guys know, you guys have seen furniture that's not real furniture. Like once you chip it, you, you tell, it's, it's phony. It's counterfeit. It doesn't have the true value because it's an appearance. And so Jesus is saying, no, I want to take you to the place where you go, 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 that your full life will be the expression of a legitimate son of God, a legitimate daughter of God for the praise and the glory of God. We'll go to another verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. In what area, pastor? Pastor, you're, you're nitpicking tonight. No, I'm not. We're going, we're going for it. It says, but as you abound in everything, as you're growing in this faith, as you're getting closer to God and knowing him more, that, that in this faith walk, your speech is affected. Do you guys know Christians that curse? There's no curse words in the mouth of a true son of God. He blesses. 
He honors God with the fruit of his lips. It's part of his worship. He says, you're not going to bring bitter water and sweet water. That doesn't happen. There is no. He says that you might abound, that you might be stretched even to the point where your language is affected. Your knowledge and all diligence and in your love for us. See that you abound in this grace. See that, that this fuel is fueling your life. He says that to make sure that you excel in acts of kindness. The, the, the absence of selfishness is the act of kindness. Where, where there's not, listen to me. Start working at some ministry in the church. Whether it be the cafeteria or the bookstore or behind the desk. And just watch how quickly people will press your buttons and you'll be like. You talking to me? Uh, nobody talks to me like that. And, and, and all that stuff is, is just non-Christ. That, that man was supposed to die at baptism. 1 Thessalonians 3.12. We, we're going a little bit deeper. This is going to get better. Trust me. I'm just laying some, some basic stuff here. And may the Lord make you increase. It's not just you believe in Christ. It's not just you know Jesus. It's not just you're reading the Bible. But that you might increase and abound in love. The, the opposite of that is selfishness. The opposite of love is you're serving yourself. You're still not serving anybody. Um, and to all, just as we do to you, our, our manner of life. Verse tw uh, 13, he's pulling on them. That, that he may establish your hearts blameless. That your inside would be presented like your outside. How many, how many know that what's going on in our inside is ugly? Ugly. It's in the inside. We make it up. We dress fine. We hallelujah and praise the Lord. But if God were to pull out our heart, it would look uh, infected. It would look totally full of, of ugly stuff. So we, we, we spray cologne on and we, but, but the, the God is sitting there saying, listen, that you might be established in a blameless heart, holy before God. When Jesus comes, he's not coming for, for things that have an appearance. He's coming for the real thing. He's going to eat ripe fruit. He's not going to eat rotten fruit. He's not coming for rotten fruit. And so this is our battle where people say, well, then none of us are going. That's, that's what some people say. Well, you know something? Well, then there's not going to be anybody. Well, guess what? Listen to me. God has promised to perfect his work. He has promised that, that he's going to go and go deep with those that open their hearts. Those, those that are willing for God to come and do a work, he's going to do a, a fantastic work. Um, you'll see some more of this. And, and let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5.4. I'm, I'm sorry, 4.1. This is Paul writing again. He says, okay, finally, this is, I'm about to close out this letter. So I want to tell you the last things I'm about to tell you. And I'm going to continue on my journeys, but here's one of the last things I want you to know. We consider it urgent. We urge you and call your attention as serious as we can in the Lord Jesus Christ that you abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. More? Come on, this is, I used to not even go to church. I went to church three times a year, and now I'm going every week, three times. Stretch, stretch. What pleases God? What is the attitude? What are the conduct of, of pursuing this relationship with God? He says, just like us, more and more. 
the, one of the, the, the translations says like this uh, in a description. As you receive instruction from us as how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk and you may excel still more. Uh, verse 10 of that chapter of that same chapter, verse 10, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren. It's not selective. Your, your, your life is actually a spread across as a real son. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Paul what, what do you want from us? Some, somehow or another, we didn't hear that this is to the high, excellent measure of a world-changing son. Now, I, I, I want to get into this on, this on this side now because the sentiment is when we're confronted with the, the Bible calls it a measure of excellence it's called the high and upward call in Christ Jesus. It, it is up there. And watch this. Tony Evans, his son says, Dad, come here. I'm going to show you I could dunk the ball. And he took him to an elementary school where the, where, where, where the baskets were seven foot tall. He had brought it down, the measure of a dunk, three feet. And then he goes, watch that. Wow. And he dunked it. And his father says, you know something pretty impressive? Don't call me back until you do it where you're supposed to do it at a 10-foot basket. I'm not impressed by you lowering the standard. Keep the standard where it is and come back when you are hitting the mark of the high call in Christ Jesus. So now watch this. That's where we're called. That's, that's our journey in our faith walk, a transformation of our true character of faithfulness, obedience, and servanthood. But, but that you can tell the person next to you because some people will say amen to that but you're really supposed to say ouch tell your neighbor what where god is calling us far above what we think we should be at increase more and more this is this is what god is calling a christian to more and more excellence more and more righteous speech a heart totally surrender not a halfway surrender not an unfaithful heart. And so in this, in this regard, we, we see Christ as that, that reality. Could, could, can you give and transfer over to Christ the worth and the honor of being a real excellent son? In his nature, that he, he wanted to be the first so that we can follow. And so in this regard, uh, Hebrews... Chapter 1, verse 1 says, Many times God tried to deliver this message through many prophets. God has never changed his standards. People think, well, the Old Testament God is a mean God. The New Testament God is full of love. The Old Testament God will kill you if you didn't behave. The New Testament God will let you be a total devil. No. He says, God who at various times and various ways spoke in the past through to the fathers by, our, by the prophets, he spoke these messages constantly to his people. Verse 2, today he wants to express this message in these last days spoken to us by his son. And this son is appointed the heir of all things. He inherited everything God promised through whom also he made the world. 
um, this last part of the verse is, um, we, we talked about it in Hebrews 11, where it says, by the word of God, God created the universe. And so by this son who lived this life that God had uh, made, verse, verse uh, we're going to continue on that, on that chapter, verse 5. Because God never gave this responsibility over to a messenger, to an angel. To which of the angels did he say, you are my son? The answer is to none. Today I have birthed you into the kingdom. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be my son. This is the relationship God wants with us. Yeah. He doesn't want you to be a Christian. He doesn't want you to be a believer. He doesn't want you to be affiliated to a Christian church. He doesn't want you to read the Bible. He wants you to be his son. This is, this is, men are very good about, I joined the Royal Rangers, I joined the Rotary, I joined this. This is not about an organization or uh, a meeting place of people. This is the sons of God. This is those that are born to honor the Father. And, and we're not called to anything else. He said, to, I will be to him a father and he shall be my son. Listen, there is no more a dangerous and suffering relationship upon the earth than a father and a son. Because the father is constantly telling the son, stand up, sit down, speak right, come in, come out. What did you do? How'd you do it? You messed up. And you're like, leave me alone. A, a, a man just recently told his father, he's 21 years old, he says, hey dad, I want to be your friend. You get along with all your friends. Let's just be friends. And his father says, listen, you're my son. I need to speak to you like a son. And, and if you listen to me as a son, you're going uh, to get to a place where no one else gets because I don't speak to anybody else like that. I speak to my son like that. So uh, verse 8 he says, But to the son he says, Your throne, um, O God, is forever. Your scepter is the measure is righteousness. You're... you're where God is taking us as his sons is a throne. And the measure is righteousness. It's not cutting corners. And the scepter of your kingdom, the measure. He's talking these things uh, about what Christ was going to accomplish. Verse 9. How do you get to God's level? He says, you must love righteousness and hate what is wrong. If you're going to be my son, you can't have another measure. This is not what John feels, what Carlos feels, what George feels. No. This is one father, and we're all sons, and he wants us to love what's right and hate what's wrong. Yeah, but I'm related to what's wrong. And I have to, I have to bring that basket down or else they're never going to dunk because they're frustrated and they want to give up. You don't have, you cannot do that. God is not giving you the Cuban dad mentality. I'll always love you no matter what. That's not the issue. The issue is you have to love righteousness and hate that which is wrong. That, that is what causes you to feel right. The oil of gladness cannot come when you're doing what's wrong. A friend of mine um, was a terrible rebellious son. And, and he had done everything to get in trouble and, and to get kicked out and to lose and, and you know what his father did? Bought him a car. That, that's called Cuban mindset. 
That's a curse. When you say that which is wrong is right. Don't worry about it. Look, I'm going to reward you when you're doing something that's twisted. And so God is not into that business. And a lot of people have fallen into that deception to think that that's the relationship God's going to have with you. Therefore, God has anointed you with oil of gladness more than your companions. It's going to, it's going to be an overwhelming sense of, of reality. Now, if, if we're talking about these terms for real, Hebrews 2.18 says that the only way to get where God is taking us is if we learn how to suffer. Somebody say amen. amen. This is the only way. There's only one pathway to obedience. It's called suffering. You guys aren't happy. The only way we get to where God is leading us is where, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted in all things, he's able now to help those who are tempted. Because he was willing to go through that suffering, now he's an example to others. Hebrews 5.8 says that his manner, since he was, he, he was a son, he was willing to take up that, that learning obedience by the things he suffered. I promise you that, that tonight will mark the history of the world. It will mark the history of the world. Because it just, it, just, it just reveals the heart of God tonight. Hebrews 3.1 says, Brethren, since we are partaking of this heavenly call, Consider the life of Christ. He is the measure of our confession. Verse 2. He was faithful to him who appointed him. He was a faithful son. Verse 3. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. He's received inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than, him, than the house. He's, he's saying, verse 6, but Christ as a son over his own house, we are his house if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing to the end. We are what God will embody. Um, chapter 3, verse 7, therefore, okay, so he set it up. God is leading us where Christ went. He received all the measure of what God promised. And we too, as the Spirit will tell us today, if you hear his voice, many listening to the heart of God tonight verse 8 do not harden your heart as a rebellious son verse 9 your fathers before you tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years and never came into my plan for their life they were never able to in verse 10 he says I was angry with that generation they always go astray in their heart they don't know my ways verse 15 Therefore, while it's still today, if you're hearing his voice, don't harden your heart in rebellion. Don't, don't take another pathway. Hebrews 5, 7 says, this is, this is the sentiment that Jesus felt in the days he was being challenged to be a son of God. In the days of his flesh, when he had prayed with God and offered supplications, Lord, I want what you want. I, I know you're talking to me. I, I want what, where you're leading me. It says, vehement cries and tears just just a this is not easy 
What, what are you trying to pull out of me? Says his tears to him who was able to save him from this, this, this destiny and was heard because of his godly fear. There was something, um, there, verse 8, which is the one that follows, is that one that says it was so much suffering, that's how he learned to obey. Now, obviously in this journey, there's, there's people that are saying, I want to, I want to, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm, I, I want to pursue what God has called me for. I see it clearly. Watch, the, watch this man who tries to describe the suffering of a son as a result of his earth, earthly father's dealings. Because this is, this is where a main part of our transformation in character is not going forward. This is a, a, a father who writes, years later, he writes to his son these words, listen son, I'm saying this as you're asleep. You're one little paw crumpled up under your cheek and your blonde curl sticking stickly wet on your damp forehead. I have stolen into your room alone just a few minutes ago, and as I sat reading my paper in the library, a stifling wave of remorse swept over me. Guilty, I came to your bedside. There are things that I was thinking, son. I had been cross to you. I scolded you as you were dressing for school because you gave your face a merely a dab with a towel. I took you to task for not cleaning your shoes. I called out angrily when you threw some of your things on the floor. At breakfast, I found fault in you. You spilled things. You gulped down your food. You put your elbows on the table. You spread butter too thick on the bread. And as you started off to play, I made for my train, and you turned and waved a hand and called, Goodbye, Daddy. And I frowned and said in reply, hold your shoulders back. Then it began all over again in the late afternoon as I came up the road. I spied on you down on your knees playing marbles. There were holes in your stock and your socks. I humiliated you before your friends marching, ahead, uh, uh, marching you ahead of me to the house. Socks were expensive and if you had to buy them, you would be more careful. Imagine that son from a father. Do you remember later when I was reading in the library how you came in timidly, a sort of hurt look in your eyes when I glanced over my paper impatient at the interruption and you hesitated at the door? What is it you want? I snapped. And you said nothing but ran across in one tempest plunge and threw your arms around my neck and kissed me and your small arms tightened with affection that God had set blooming in your heart and which even neglect could not wither. And then you were gone, pattering up the stairs. Well, son, it was shortly thereafter that my paper slipped from my hands and a terrible, sickening fear came over me. What has habit been doing to me? The habit of finding fault, of reprimanding. This was my reward to you for being a boy? It was not that I did not love you. It was not that I expected too much of your youth. I was measuring you by the yardstick of my own years. And there, was so, um, and there was so much that was good and fine and true in your character. The little heart of you was as big as the dawn itself over the wide hills. This was shown by your spontaneous impulse to rush in and kiss me goodnight. Nothing else matters tonight, son. I have come to your bedside in darkness and I have knelt there in shame. It is a feeble tone. 
I know you would not understand these things if I told them to you during your waking hours, but tomorrow I will be a real daddy. I will chum with you and suffer when you suffer. I will laugh when you laugh. I will bite my tongue when impatient words come, and I will keep saying as if it were a ritual. He is nothing but a little boy. I am afraid I have visualized you as a man, yet... As I see you now, son, crumpled and weary in your cot, I see that you are still a baby. Yesterday you were in your mother's arms and your head on her shoulders. I've asked too much of you. This, this is uh, the letter of a man going through the sentiments of remorse. Why can't I be a better father? Now, we, we go to this, right? Our Heavenly Father is not into those games. How many say Amen. He's, he's, not, he's not misguiding, misjudging, mispronouncing. He's faithful in all his ways. Now watch this. Hebrews 12, verse 10. For indeed our earthly fathers, while we were upon the earth, did the best they thought. I could identify with that. They indeed for a few days disciplined us as it seemed best to them. But God will chasing us to our prophet that we might be partakers of his holiness. So the, 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 the arrangement is what we just read is an earthly father struggling to raise up his son. How many of us have suffered because of our earthly fathers? Every single one of us. Every single one of us. Absence, discipline, words that are inappropriate, words that are untimely, things that were out of God's timing, but not our heavenly father. Our heavenly father is on task. Verse 11 this chastening and discipline doesn't seem joyful at the moment. There's not something that feels good when a father's calling you to attention. When a father's calling you to obedience. It's not joyful, but painful. Say with me, painful. It's up there. Verse 11 says, this dealing is painful. Nevertheless, regardless, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. There's, there's fruit that's coming from being dealt with by God as a son. So what is, what is what God is trying to tell us tonight? This faith is a faith of character formation, of sons dealing with a father, being disciplined, being, being uh, held accountable. Verse 12, he says like this. He says, so therefore, strengthen your hands, which are like, you're like, I give up. And your feeble knees. Stand to attention. Let's, let's get on task with the, what God is doing. Verse 13, make straight paths for your feet. Start walking in the direction that's lined up with being a son. So that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. In, in, the, in the body, if my knee is not connected right, if I don't put it into its right place, it rots off. The, the doctors will tell you this. It's not healthy for you to, to let one of your members be lagging in a disconnect. You don't want to lose a member. You don't want to lose uh, the capacity to, to heal and to strengthen. Um, a lot of people don't understand that this is the dynamic of the Christian faith. Our Father who art in heaven. That connection with the Father is what Jesus came to bring us. Where are we in that line? Well, I'm offended, Pastor. I'm offended because there's an expectation of obedience. I'm offended because there's an expectation of discipline. I'm offended because I feel you're on my case. Listen to me. I am on your case. I am your Father. 
and I consider you my son. And so he says, everyone, in this chapter, he says, everyone I take up as a son, uh, verse 4, Verse 5. Don't forget the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, don't despise the chasing of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. That's not a motive for you to say, you know, for you to have issue. Verse 6. For everyone for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And scourges every son whom he receives. Listen, the distancing ourselves from this relationship, from, from the dynamics of being a son of God is not good. If the devil has warped on you, oh, all he does is beat me. You know, you, you, you take truth and you warp it out into an unhealthy, you know, you, you don't have a proper filter. God is speaking to you. That this world-changing faith is about the, the dealings of a father towards a son. Our earthly fathers did the best they knew. So verse 14, he says, Therefore you, son, begin to line up to have peace with all people in holiness. If you don't line up, you will not see the Lord. Without this reality, you will not see the Lord. Verse 15, he says, Be careful. Lest anyone fall short of this truth and roots of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by this, many are defiled. The relationship with God and his people in these days is, is what is the measure of a son with his father? Being able to, to walk in that manner. Verse 25, he says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. Don't, don't, don't resist the word of God. Don't, don't, don't play around with it. Don't, don't try to change it. And, and we see this happening on a continual basis. The people want to, well, you, you justify, you don't know what you're saying. You don't know when he's saying it. Well, the, the, the circumstance is different. It doesn't fit my scenario, uh, the situation. Listen to me. We're, we're not going to be able to get where God is leading us in our character formation. Let's ask the, the musicians to come forward. And I want to sing that, that song, Jesus at the center of it all, because he is the model. He is the faithful son. He is the obedient son. He is the son that was a blessing to his house. He was faithful in all his house. He, he, he was able to understand the father's heart, his passion. You shouldn't be laid a waste and, and distance and, and, and falling out. He says, strengthen your hands. Fix up your feeble knees. Begin to walk like a son. Begin to have the attitude of a son that wants to honor his father. Quit bringing issues that are inappropriate. Quit bringing. Uh, I was talking to a man last week. I said, let me ask you something. Why are you expecting your son to do what you're not doing? You want to take your son to excellence of obedience and you are not providing the footprints. God wants to see some footprints. God wants to see you uh, bringing to pass that which you are demanding. Let's stand up uh, tonight. Um, 
I know that much of the preaching and teaching of the Word of God always comes down yes. to an earthly realm where we're going to say, okay, Dad, forgive me. Okay, son, I forgive you. That, that, that's good. They, these are reflections of eternal truths. But tonight what we're saying is, I want to be a real son of God. Amen. I want to God to continue to deal with me. I want Him to continue to call my attention. Um, it's not bizarre. It's not, you know, some people say, oh, in my house, my, my parents expect me to come home early. Yes, yes. And they expect you to clean your room and they expect you to be at the dinner table and they expect you to clean your dishes and throw away the trash and put your shoes away. And guess what? Tomorrow, that's going to be a blessing to your family. You're going to be able to teach your sons what you should do that you're resisting. And, and we have no reason to do that. Um, we had shared this verse in Proverbs 29, 27. He says there's a constant clash between who? Between the ones that want to do things right. The unjust man is an abomination to the righteous. The one who is doing things wrong, the righteous man is like fed up. And then it says, and he who is upright is an abomination to the wicked. The one who wants to do things wrong cannot stand the guy who wants to do things right. This is a perpetual clashing. It's, it, its most essent embodiment is a father and a son. A son and his father. E even when you come to Jesus and you see your fathers and your parents doing things that the word of God says not to do, there's a clash there. And you're trying to say, hey, mom and dad, you know something? We haven't had peace and joy for a long time. Why don't we start doing what the Bible says? Why don't we learn the way of the Lord? And, and there's that cultural clash also that a young guy is telling his dad, Dad, it doesn't stink to have a curfew. It doesn't stink to have discipline. It doesn't stink to have somebody who's correcting you, teaching you, and going through those sufferings. And I've had people both ways. I've had people that are sick and tired of being taught and disciplined and corrected. And I have people that say, you know, Pastor, if you wouldn't talk into my life, no one has ever been able to speak to me as a father I haven't learned uh, in, in the earlier years if we were rebellious now in the latter years we say you know something I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do that um, there was men here on Monday night and and they said these words to me on Tuesday morning they said pastor the Lord told me last night that I was cynical and I'm a mocker See, if you're a cynical son, you don't listen to, you, you don't think that anything's being told to you has any merit. You, you said this is useless, what they're telling me. And then if you're a mocker, you hate it. You hate when you're corrected. You hate when discipline comes. You hate when somebody speaks about order. You don't see it. You don't feel it. You're not, you're not pursuing it. So Proverbs 15, 12 says, a mocker doesn't love the one who corrects him. Proverbs 15, 12. A mocker does not love one who corrects him. He, he's like, I hate this guy. What's his problem? And then it says, and he will not go near to the wise. Why? Because a wise man is going to want you to do things right. The inheritance of, of being a son of God, the Bible says, is glory. It's honor. It's good things. There's, there's nothing that is wrong about it. Now, you could be in an environment where that is non-existing. But Romans 8.15 says, wherever the Spirit of God is there, where the Spirit of God is, 
there's a cry out saying, you're my father. You did not receive a spirit that takes you to be selfish and distant to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. And you'll be able to say, Lord, you're my father. Correct me, discipline me, teach me, speak into my life. I, I want to have that relationship and I'm willing to suffer for it. I'm willing to go through the hardship of being spoken to. Let's sing that song. You guys have it? Let's sing it. And tonight say, Lord, be at the center of my life so I could be a faithful son, obedient son, uh, humble son, obedient, faithful, and humble daughter. Uh, listen to the words of this song and say, God, I want you to be at the center of it all. Jesus Christ. Tonight's February 18th. And if this word is a word that resonates in your heart, just raise your right hand. I want to pray for you. Lord, this world has been totally lost because the enemy has led many away from the Father. He has used offense. He's used pride. He's used self-righteousness and self-sufficiency to cause us to become prodigal sons. But tonight we hear your voice and we understand that in a relationship with a father and in a relationship in your spirit there is a connection of transformation in our character give us a heart for obedience give us a heart for repentance give us a heart of not being discouraged when we are chastened let us strengthen our hands and our feeble knees to not be dislocated, disconnected in our walk with the Father. Let not roots of bitterness come into our hearts, but that we might enjoy this journey, that we might enjoy a relationship and not be exasperated, not be provoked, not be hurt to walk away from this that you have created in Father and Sons. Join the heart of the fathers to the hearts of the sons the spiritual heart of a father to the spiritual heart of sons so that chaos and confusion would not be our harvest but that peace and joy and righteousness might be established in our families, in our children, in our descendants. We pray in Jesus' name and the house of God says amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Agree with each other in the love of the Lord. And we'll see you on Sunday morning.